Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaith. He's one of our elders. And this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets, where we look at the Old Testament and we connect it to the New Testament. And uh, we're so grateful and thankful for you joining us tonight. If you're listening to this on Spotify, we want to thank you for joining us. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed. at the bell turned on so you're notified every time we upload a video. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 42. Yep. And we're getting closer and closer to the end of this book. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, it, 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 and, and it's some. Just, I think it's some applicable stuff to us today because of some of the things we go through, I think. It, you know, Joseph's going to have an opportunity to to uh, show us really what a godly man does in crisis and, and bad situations. So I think it's going to be good, especially this chapter. Okay. You know, I it's think be, it is, I, it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, we'll be in chapter, we'll be in Romans two a little bit tonight. So yes. it'll be, it'll be good. If you're, uh, if you like this ministry, if you're interested in supporting it, Hey, make sure to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. There's a donate button there to take it to PayPal uh, and, and support us, help us out with that. That'd be great. We'd love to partner with you. As we continue to teach Absolutely. the gospel and preach the gospel. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, brother, why don't we pray? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to be together tonight. We thank you for the opportunity just to sit down together and study your word. Uh, we pray that it'll be a blessing to those who are listening. Be a, and I know it's a blessing to us uh, to be able to do this. We thank you, Father, for the power of the word and the power it has to change people's lives. We pray that that will happen today in someone's life. Bless us, Father, as we go through this study tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we jump into the text, I just want to ask you, brother, mm -hmm. uh, you know, especially today and age, we have, you know, I feel like we've, we've kind of co-opted some of the Old Testament in the way we look at people, right? And we, we kind of think, you know, I'm going to treat you how you treat me. Mm -hmm. And so when someone does something wrong to us or evil to us or bad to us or treats us horribly, you know, as Christians, how should we respond? Well, it, the human nature, I want justice. I want I want revenge. I want you know I want you to, I want to hurt you as much as you've hurt me. That's our human nature. That's the human side of us. Uh, but I don't think as Christians we have that luxury. Now, don't get me wrong. All right, we're all human beings and we're going to make mistakes. You know, somebody's going to say something negative to us. We're going to want to respond in a, in a retaliatory way. We do that. You know, all of us do that. And those are the sins that we that we continually have to ask for forgiveness for. Uh, but I think. Uh, I think the power of this chapter that we're going to be in in Joseph and what he's going to, going to teach us that no matter how bad it was, Joseph still is going to bless those his brothers. And, and I think that's a huge uh, learning experience for us and how how we have, you know, all of us have those things in our lives that that are, are chaotic, you know, or are uh, catastrophic or are uh, uh, beyond our control. Things that where people do things to us. Uh, that we don't deserve, and the natural instinct is for I want to I want to reach out I want to I want to reach out and, and touch them I want to reach out and hurt them I want to reach out and and retaliate, mm -hmm. and and it can it can be any number of different things that happen to us. You've had those experiences. I've had those experiences. We've all had them, uh, but I think in in here, Joseph. You know, we've talked about this before with Joseph. I mean, I mean they they did him wrong. They really, they really did him wrong. Uh, they may have not liked him very much, and maybe they had good reason, but they really did some really ugly stuff to him. And uh, and for him to be where he is now, we've talked about how God brought him here, and and he's the way he's going to respond to them, uh, especially as we get into this chapter, 
he he's going it, to it's a great learning experience re, great learning tool for us today i think to learn how do i respond to those people who are doing negative things to me or doing things to me that that uh, maybe it's a, a family member maybe it's a, a, a employer or employee or whatever whoever it may be maybe it's government whatever you know i still have a responsibility to honor the text and do what the text you know we're going to be in romans chapter 12 and there's a specific text there that that says do not do this that's god's job let god take care of it this is what you do and we'll read that text in a little bit uh to get there but you know i think i think it's very um it's not easy to do though cole it isn't is it no it isn't i mean when you when you are 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 inundated with with uh, with stuff natural responses i want to lash out i want to hurt somebody it takes a lot of faith it takes a lot of faith to trust that god is going to handle things we, yeah we've seen this with abraham we've seen this all throughout yeah. Genesis with abraham. Yeah. you know abraham's walk you know even though he is the father of faith right mm -hmm. if you look at him in the new testament paul talks about him in that in that manner even though he's the father of faith we look at you know genesis and we see him fail see him basically have no faith um all throughout the story of Genesis, and there's only a few times where it really seems like Abraham grabs hold of it. But wouldn't you say Joseph is really the first guy that's really I can connect with? I mean, no, I honestly, I Joseph is uh, I can, I probably connect. I feel like I connect more with Abraham than I do Joseph for sure. Um, Joseph has had a lot of, you know, he's his father's favorite son. You know, and then he, he was mistreated, horribly mistreated by his brothers, and then he's ended up where, where he's at. He's gone through a lot of trial. I don't identify with him all that much. I do. I, I, I feel like I identify more with Abraham. That struggle, I, I, can, I can readily accept that struggle in faith. And then, you know, for me, and we talked about this with Romans chapter 4 with Abraham, you know, he laughed. Mm -hmm. Right when God said this is the way it's going to mm -hmm. be, he laughed, mm -hmm. and and how Rome in Romans Paul makes it clear that God didn't consider that doubting on Abraham's part. Yeah, yeah. He would look at it; it was doubting. For me, that was a big, that's a big, big realization that the way God views doubting, the way He views our struggle to have faith, to trust Him, right? Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's a big deal. Uh, and for someone who you know you're going through those trials, how important is it to hold on to that and to have that? Yeah. Joseph has had that seemingly the whole time but we're less we see him in his struggle we see him in the situation of the struggle but in this narrative we don't see him struggle mm -hmm. if that makes any sense he just is in prison he obviously doesn't want to be there he says you know hey can you but i for me i don't connect in this narrative as much to his struggle as i do like with abraham i i do i i do in a in a, in a sense of not maybe with the struggle but with the with what the what the the human aspect of it is he has been he's been disrespected he has been he has been put upon he has been he's been shunned by his family his brothers especially and he has uh, and he didn't do anything wrong except he was an arrogant pompous jerk for a bit in his early life that's all he was but he was a godly godly individual it proves that by what he does right away and and here we're going to see how his response when he gets the opportunity to respond what he does Let's get in the text. Yeah. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 42. Uh, we're going to continue where we left off. And so, you know, last week we left off where Pharaoh had those dreams. Joseph mm. interpreted those dreams. Pharaoh mm. put Joseph in charge of the entire That's land right. to organize. And so then those dreams came to pass. There was famine in the land. 
Um, there was seven years of good, seven years of famine. Joseph put stuff aside. People started going to Joseph for food. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much where we left off in 41. We're going to look at 42. We're in chapter 42, verse 1. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But <coughs> Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. It's interesting. So does Jacob suspect the brothers? Or I, do you think that it's more like, I'm just not going to trust anybody with Rachel's last son? I think that's probably part of it there because you're going to see a, a, a bit of a narrative here in a bit of, of how of what he what he says, I think in chapter 43. Uh, we'll do that in the next next study we do, uh, but uh, I think I think there was a this was a violent time. I think there was a, there was all kinds of ways to get hurt. Uh, you know, we get in a car, we drive down the street, we go to point A, point B, point C, point D. Our expectation is not to get put upon, to get in a in an accident. Those things happen, but that's not what we expect. I think in some in some of this culture. The expectation, you know, when Ezra goes, you know, to back to the promised land when they send him back, he doesn't take anybody with him. He doesn't take, you know, he said, no, he said, God's going to take care of it. But they're amazed because he, it takes them three or four months to get there. And this is a path of bandits and robbers and thieves and, and, uh, the desperate time, maybe he's just, maybe it's not necessarily he's looking at the brothers. Maybe he's just saying. Yeah, but I think part of it is because what he's going to say later on, you know, I'm going to protect this little boy. Because this is my wife's son. Right. And you'll see what we're talking about. When you have to tune in. I think that's, when, when is that? Next? Uh, 43. That's in 43. So that, that'll, that'll be next week. Okay. But we have to get, wait to get to that. So in verse 5, So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. So there's famine everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so de definitely desperate time. Yeah, desperate time. And and with, because of that time, people would be robbing. I mean, you know, in our culture today, you know, uh, people, uh, we saw people, we've seen people beat up people at grocery stores and stuff trying to get the last thing of toilet paper, you know. So this kind of thing can happen here. People are starving. If your family's starving, you think you might resort to pulling a gun on somebody and stealing it from them? If your family's starving? Maybe. Maybe not you, but somebody would. Oh, sure. And they may try to steal it from you. So that, that's the times. Anyway, that's the times he's in. Verse 6. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brother arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. I'd like to take a second, though, and also point out something that's going to be very important in Exodus. We have seen time and time and time again, what do the Jews do in emergency? What does Abraham <laughs> do in emergency? He goes to Egypt, right? Yeah. What, is, what, is, what did... Uh, Isaac tried to do, except God told him not to. There's a famine in the land, wanted to go down to Egypt. He said, nope, don't go to Egypt. Mm -hmm. You know, Jacob, there's a famine in the land. What do you do? What? Go down to Egypt. Mm -hmm. So this is this is a constant trend where the family of, of Abraham is constantly looking to Egypt as a source of salvation, as a source of help in time of need, as a source of, of safety. Was it not, though, in a in a in a human perspective not a god perspective, human perspective it was the richest the most powerful 
the most lucrative Absolutely. place on the planet that Absolutely. they knew of. So that would be the natural place why people come here. And this, and it really goes, and, it, and it's really important too, as we get more into the rest of the Law and the Prophets, especially as we get into later prophets, mm -hmm. to understand the place that Egypt has. God wants his people to come to him. But what we see, even here, is that people are, aren't looking towards him. They look towards other places. Now, we know, because, of, because we've read the book, because we know the text, we know that in this case, God is using Egypt to deliver yes, the entire yes, world. Yes. We know that. We know mm. that's going on. He's using Joseph. He's using Egypt. Absolutely. He's using them to accomplish his mission and his Absolutely. plan. But the importance of looking to God, you know, looking to God in these times of trouble, in these times of uh, struggle, in these times of famine, mm -hmm. it, it's so, so important. And a lot of times, especially when Abraham did it, he wasn't looking for God. He was looking to solve. He was looking for ways to solve. Oh, there's famine in the land. I better go right down to Egypt. Yeah. And what did, where did that land in? Yeah. Something in our culture. Water. Something in our culture today. You know, who does everybody look to today? The United States. United States of America. Yeah. You know, why are they flocking to the borders to try to get in? Because this is a place where there's safety, protection. It's most lucrative. You know, it doesn't mean anything other than and, and something you said. You know, what other country has a military? that people will drop their children over a wall and know they'll never see them again because they believe this military will protect their children. Right. That's, there, aren't, there aren't a whole lot of military. We've seen, that, we've seen that on the news just lately yeah. where they've been doing that. So people were going to Egypt just like they come to America. Yeah. That, that's, that's just the reality of it. That's why they go there. They go there because, and because God has blessed Egypt at this point, put Joseph in charge. Yes. And now they've got a lot. And Joe, Jacob said, hey, I heard there's there's grain in Egypt. You need to go get some grain. Go down there. Well, if it would have been if it would have been uh, some other country, they would have said that. But that's not what God was using. Well, and I, I just want to point it out that now, right now in the narrative, Egypt has become this haven, right? We're going to go down to Egypt. We're going to be saved. Later on in the narrative, as we move through the Law and the Prophets, Egypt is no longer going to be the haven. No. They're going to be... Um, the bad guy. They're going to be the enslavers. Yeah. They're going yeah. to be wicked and evil. So it's, it's important to understand that even here in Genesis, they've kind of built up that pattern. And we'll see it all throughout the histories as well. Even after God has set them up in the promised land, they don't yeah. look to God. They talk about going back to Egypt. And yeah. in fact, after the destruction of Judah by the Babylonians, they do go back. Mm -hmm. And they do go back and it gets them into a lot of trouble. So continuing in verse 7. As soon as Joseph, uh, excuse me, verse 6. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brother arrived, they bowed down, down to him and their, with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. What? What? <laughs> Help me out. So in verse 9, he remembers his dreams. Mm -hmm. And then his response, because he remembers his dreams, is to accuse them of being spies. What's going on here? What's going on here? I, I, I don't know what's going on here. For what? Sure. What? So what were his dreams? So His, his dream, dreams were they were going to bow down to him. They were going to bow down to him. Yeah. But not just them. His his father too. His father too. Yeah. So maybe he sees this and he goes, "These dreams are coming to pass. 
I know, I know that God has said this is going to happen. My father is not here. Now, he's been gone a long time. Maybe he, he isn't sure if his father is alive or dead. Maybe he's not <coughs> sure. So maybe he's, maybe he's setting, it, setting this up for these dreams to come to pass. Maybe he's trying to see, you know, what can I say here? What can we do here to get the father here, to get the other brother here, to get... Do you, do you think... To get the family here. You think... I understand he's a godly man. Mm-hmm. I understand that. You think there's just a little bit of... Uh, of uh, Animosity? Payback? Animosity? A little... Not, 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 not in a bad way, but, you know, remember, he's, this is not a god, man. He's a human being. If, if it wasn't for verse 9, I would, I, would, I would probably be more acting to say that. I'd probably be more... Yeah, he's probably looking for a little bit of payback here. But because of verse 9... What is it about his dreams, right? What is it about his dreams that leads him to this line of conclusion? He knows who they are. He knows their. Well, they, he knows their who they are. He knows they're his brothers. But what? But he doesn't know who they are. He knows them, but he doesn't know who they are. What if he's trying to figure out who they are? What if he's trying to figure out if if they're going to start turning on each other, like they turned on him? You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm just I'm throwing stuff out of here, man, because I, I don't know that that question caught me off guard because I don't know what this is talking he's about. He's going to have he's going to do a lot of direct things, and this is the impetus for it. He recognizes them; they don't recognize him, mm-hmm. but it doesn't just jump into the "you are spies." It immediately it has this verse here that says, "But he remembered his dreams." So what, baby? Maybe. What's going on? He, so what about what is it about the dreams that are making that are making him come to come and do this? Joseph is a brilliant guy. Yeah, he is. He's had God with him for a long time. Yes, he is. He doesn't yeah. do anything haphazardly. So why? What is it about the dreams that are directing this line of question? I think it's very easy for us to sit back and look at this and go, "There's some animosity here. He's going after." Him That's what it sounds like. It sounds like that, except for verse nine. It's not, he doesn't go jump straight into the, you're spies, you're doing something wrong. My personal opinion, because of verse 9, because we know he's a godly man, because we know God has been with him this whole time, is that in this situation, he sees God working. He doesn't necessarily know what God is doing. He doesn't necessarily know how his brother's coming and bowing down, how his father coming and bowing down to him is furthering the plan of God. But I think even in this horrible situation, I mean, how would you feel? These are guys that set you up, that were going to kill you, sold you into slavery. Now they're at your mercy. Mm-hmm. They're coming and bowing down before you. Mm-hmm. And instead of that coming to your mind, what's coming to your mind is something that God told you. What's coming to your mind is what God is doing. What is God doing here? I remember the dreams he gave me. These are happening. This is supposed to happen. He, it seems to me like he's got God's work in front of him. Even here in the midst of this. this. Well, I think obviously God reminded him of the work set before him. Sure, yeah. By him remembering the dreams. Mm-hmm. I think God's been all over this this guy for a long time. And, and you know, obviously this guy's let him, let, let God be all over him. How easy is it for us to get distracted oh. by things <laughs> of the world? <laughs> And instead of focusing in on what God has, what what God's Cole, mission I, is. I just told you yesterday, I said, it's very easy for us to, to stand a pulpit, for guys like you and I to stand the pulpit and let our emotions and our day or our week or our weekend dictate how we respond and what we say. 
And it more than not gets us in trouble when we do that because we're human beings. We make mistakes. We say things we shouldn't say, say them in a way we shouldn't say them, and, and do, things that, do things sometimes that we should not do because of the things. And Satan knows that. Satan jumps right in the middle of our, right in the, got us like this, like with a claw on our face. And, and we're, and all we can do is respond to the, to the, to the negative. And so we as human beings come out negative, you know, here, this guy, maybe that's what, maybe for just a moment, but then God reminds you or he puts people in your life here. He had a dream in your life. You've got me. In your, my life, I got you. I got other people. I got my wife, you know, people that tell me, Hey, you know, you know, we had we had some people challenge us about this very class that we're doing, that this needs to be done, this needs to be done. And we're listening to them. Oh, absolutely. And you see, and I think I think he, for him, since he has nobody there, only one he's got is God. And God says, here, click, remember the dream. Remember the dream. And I don't think, and we're going to see Joseph do some really specific things. Mm -hmm. He's going to challenge them about being spies. He's going to he's going to put their money back in their bag after they buy the grain. He's going to take one of their brothers prisoner and say, "Well, you need to bring your dad back." My, what my point is is that Joseph isn't doing this at random. He's not. Uh, a I, random I think man. I think you're probably right. He's doing you're these pro things for very specific reasons. When you put it all together, yeah, you're probably right. And I think what he's doing here, I, I don't think what he's doing here. Is he's going to get his father there. He wants to get his father there. He doesn't gotta know get his, how. He's got to get his family there. He doesn't know how no, or why no. God is so concerned with getting his family down here. Mm -hmm. But he knows that's what that's what that dream is about. They're coming before him where he's at and they're bowing. His father's got to get there. His father's got to get here. It's yeah. not about his father. See, maybe I think, I think, you're kid, I think that's probably maybe true. Maybe he did think it was about honor and respect. Mm -hmm. but it's not about that. It's just about where he is and his family. I, I think one of the things it shows us is that God's really in charge and God really is formulating and, and unleashing his plan. And just because we don't know all the ins and outs of it doesn't mean that God's not working in your life and my life as we speak. That's right. He's got a plan in your life right now when it comes to your family and you may not know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, what next phone call is going to be, but God does know. And all I can do is say, you know what, God? Okay, I, keep me on the, keep me between the ditches. <laughs> keep me going down the right path because I want to get in the ditch. Well, and how important is it? Look, I mean, Joseph has a, has a choice here. He has a decision to make. He could look at this situation and go, you know, I don't really care about my dreams. These guys did something to me, and I'm going to yeah. back. Yeah. He could totally go that way with. That's me. what's the question you asked. How do we, how do we respond? How should we respond? That's not what I said. That's not how we always respond though. Maybe, you know, when I just preached on this Sunday morning, maybe it's time to remember what the gospel is really about. Yeah. And maybe it's time to enshrine that in our mind, to stop looking to other things and to other powers and to other, other, other lesser things. And we're so concerned about the lesser things that we've forgotten that what people need to be hearing is the gospel. They need to understand that Christ is on his throne, that God has a plan, and our lives need to be centered around that rather than around who happens to be in the White House or what whatever political party happens to control mm -hmm. things or whatever things they're doing. Understand that the nation, the nation, not the church, not the, not the good, there are good things in the nation, there are good people in the nation, right? There are, there are people who are trying to do the right thing, but the nation as a whole, the people who are leading it, the people who are directing it, the people who are in power over it are evil. Mm -hmm. that, and not even every single one. I'm not looking at like every government employee and saying they're evil. That's not what I'm doing. But as a whole, our nation has he headed towards sin. 63 million children. Not headed there. It's there. 
It's there. Now, understand that within this nation exists the church. The church is the chosen people of God. It's the call. Within this nation is Joseph. That's right. It's Joseph. Does God is God working through this nation? Is He going to use this nation? Absolutely. But we need to understand that the nation, the United States itself, is not the end goal of God. The end goal of God is, is getting people into the church. That's right. That's the end goal of God. Yeah. The end goal of God is getting as many and, people and into I the told, church. As and I told my class yesterday morning, we have I don't know if it was yesterday morning, we forgot we've forgotten what our job is. Our job is to see the fields ripen to harvest. It's so easy to get distracted. Joseph has an opportunity here to get distracted. And by the grace of God, God brings him these dreams and says, hey, remember these? Has God, has God lately been trying to distract you? Oh. Well, <laughs> the God hasn't been trying to distract me. He's been or has, has life been trying to... The Satan, enemy. the enemy. Yeah, the yeah. enemy. See, and that's the other thing we don't talk about much throughout this book, church. The enemy has been working all throughout Genesis to kill this seed one. Where do you think this famine is coming from? Now, mm. God allows him. The God allows the enemy great power and great authority to do things. But God still, because God is God, he can still move things the way they need to go. Yeah. And so the yeah. enemy is working. There's spiritual warfare going all throughout this book Got with the enemy trying to squash this seed line mm-hmm. because he knows that from this seed line is coming someone who's going to kill him. So he's trying to destroy it. What do you think this famine is about? What do you think that famine Abraham faced was about? Yeah. Who do you think was behind all that? Mm-hmm. So there's stuff that's going on that we haven't talked, we haven't focused in on. So understand that it is very important to go back and look through this book and to see the broad strokes of what's going on. But it's also important for us to look at it today and go, you know, we just had EEM come, the Eastern European Mission. Mm -hmm. He did a great job. Talked about all the things that they're doing over there and how God is bringing all of these people who've never heard the gospel before, never heard about Jesus before, or they'd only heard that he was a prophet. But God is using all of that strife in the Middle East to bring people out and into his church. We've got an immigration crisis going on on our southern border. How are we looking at that? Are we simply looking at, oh, those are evil and bad people? There certainly are some evil and bad people among them. But aren't there some people that we maybe need to be serving, that we need to be helping? I mean, we're down here in South Texas. We're in Victoria. We're not right on the border, but we're pretty close to it. Mm -hmm. How do we view all of these refugees coming across? Do we see God working in this? What is... It's, now, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, church. I'm not sitting here saying, politically, we need to do this. That's not what I'm saying. That's not for me to decide. And I really, look, you could be pro this or anti that. That's You're missing the point if you think that's what I'm talking do about. Do we see people the way Jesus saw them? Do we see people? Do we see these people coming across the way God sees them? Do we see them as people made in the image of God who need to hear the gospel? Is that what we're seeing? Are we seeing them as people that, because they are made in the image of God, they are worthy of but love we do, But we do have, we do have here, we have some 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 visions in in place, things that are coming about, things that we're doing. They had they that stuff grinds slow. Oh, sure. That we're trying to get, you know, I'd like to see us have a have a Spanish ministry here. Well, where we we're could working, we're working towards that. Yeah, we're we've got a that. we've got a we've got a a couple of ministries that are that are in the works that we're yes. looking at doing that are going to be connected to families. Yes. Family type ministries. And so what I'm what I, I'm using that as an example to say there are things going on in the world. And if we're not spiritually minded, if we don't have the things of God in mind, then we're not going to be able to react the way God wants us to. And to me, this is a prime example of that. I think we've been going that way. We've been we've been talking about that. And we got to get back in the text, but we've been talking about that for a while. And I think we're going to keep doing that. 
we're going to keep talking and trying to get ourselves to focus where we need to focus as a, as a church here. All right. So all throughout, now starting in verse 10, right, Joseph immediately, he sees that the best way to get this stuff done that mm-hmm. he sees in, in his dreams is to start accusing them of being spies. And so that's what he does. He accuses them of being spies in verse in verse 10. They, uh, they absolutely deny it. It's actually pretty funny. In verse 11, look at verse 11 real quick. We are all sons of one man. Your servants are honest men. Not spies. They probably should have been better off just saying we're not spies. <laughs> but they don't know who they're talking to. No, they have no idea. And this guy, they don't know that this guy knows who they are and what they did. And you know, and probably in their mind, they do. We're think honest men. They really? Probably do think what do you think Joseph's thinking? Really? I mean, we know we know what happened with Judah and Tamar and his kids. It yeah. doesn't really seem like. Well, really I mean, seem like it's very I mean, we're honest men. No, you're not. You're lying, conniving murderers. Because basically, what you did, you don't know. You don't know that your brother's alive. You think he's dead, and y'all are the ones that killed him because y'all are the ones that sold him into slavery. So they go back, yeah, absolutely, and they go back, back and forth. And it's funny because they're gonna they're gonna talk about that. Notice in verse fourteen, right? It's just I told you you are spies. So there's a lot of back and forth, and this is how you be tested. So he comes up with a test. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. So his initial plan here is I'm going to keep all of them here and I'm going to send one back. And he's going to get the other brother and they're going to come back. That's the initial plan. Now we know it's because of what he's had dreams of. That's what the text told us. They don't know that. So what do they say, right? On the third day, this is verse 18, Joseph said, fine, do this to them and live, for I fear God. It's really interesting. Three days, these brothers are in prison. What is Joseph doing for three days? Then he comes back, and this is what he says. He's changed the plan, right? He had his initial plan. That's what all. That's what verses 14 through 17 are about. Mm-hmm. He puts him in prison for three days. He has this initial plan. He sees them. He remembers the dream. This is the plan. This is how I'm going to achieve that dream. Puts him in jail three days. On the third day, Joseph comes back and says, we're instead, we're going to do this because I fear God. What do you think he did for those three days? I think he prayed about it and God revealed to him what he need, really needed to do, I think. I think it's what happened. I think, he, I think he's been praying about it. I think, he's been, I think he's been contemplating on it. I don't think he just, it, I think this is a godly man. I think a godly man is going, to, is going to talk to God about stuff. How important is it, even once we've made decisions, to still hand those things over to God in prayer, to seek his input and advice? And if we see something differently, if he reveals something differently to us, I, I think make I think making a decision, you know, is all fine and good. But I think you need to be fluid. You need to, you need to put give room for God's going to change the plan. Because the plan may have been yours, and not His, and you got to be open to letting Him letting Him change the plan. Because He may very well do that in a moment's notice, and it may not be any kind of, any way looking shape or form of what you thought. So anyway, certainly could be what's going on. All right, so he says, for I fear God, right? If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, "This." so this is where they go, oh, oh, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Is that true? I don't know. 
Well, did were they did they see him in his his distress? Oh did, no, not that. That's certainly true. But they're looking at this and they're saying, "See, we're being punished." Oh, I see. Okay, that's how they feel. That's how they feel. That's not necessarily what's happening, but that's how they feel. But that's how we feel too. God's about to save them. I understand that. <laughs> I understand that. But but don't we feel the same way? Oh, absolutely. You know, you look at something and and you know and, and you you know something happens in your life and you think you know look at what you know. God, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I deserve. I deserve. Get this, man. I deserve this. It may not be God doing it at all. It may just be that it happened, and and God allowed it to happen. It's amazing to me. Joseph is in the middle of prison, mm -hmm. stuck in prison for all these years, sold to slavery, stuck in prison, and God is delivering the entire world through this. These guys are stuck in prison. They see the, their world collapsing around mm -hmm. them. They go back. They think about something that they've done, and they go. And we are deserving of this. And this is this is why this is happening. And the entire time, God is like, no, I'm saving you. It just doesn't look like it. Yeah. I am. Well. And it's, it's how, again, our view of blessing, our view of success, our view of all of these things, God working in my life doesn't look like me sitting in prison. Mm. That now it's happened to Joseph and it's happened to them. Yep. And yet he's delivering not only them and their family, he's delivering the entire world through this. Yeah, he is. It's very hard to see this. Yep. A lot of times it's very hard to see this. So in verse 22, of course, Reuben says what he says. Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, but you didn't listen? So now we have a blame game going on. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using uh, an interpreter. So they're having this conversation in front of him. Mm -hmm. So this is, they, and he knows what they're saying. And he knows what they're saying. Imagine how emotional you must be to to break out into this conversation in front of this guy. Um, well, look what happens. Yeah. Read the next verse. He turned away from them and began to weep. But then came back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack, and to give them provisions for their journey. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys. And left at the place where they stopped for the night one of them opened his sack to get the feed for his donkey and he saw his silver in the mouth of the sack my silver has been returned he said to his brothers here it is in my sack and their hearts sank they turned to each other trembling and said what is this that god has done to us so when they came to their father jacob at the land of canaan they told him all that had happened to them they said the man who was lord over the land spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying the land but we said to him, we are honest men, we are not spies, we are twelve brothers, sons of one father, but one is no more, and the youngest is now with her father in Canaan. Then the man who is Lord over the land said to us, this is how I will know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here, and bring your youngest brother to me, so I will know that you are not spies, but honest men. Then I will give your brother back to you, and you can trade him in the land. That they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was his pouch of silver. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. And Reuben said to his father, You may put both your uh, put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Entrust him to my care, and I will bring him back. Ever since Reuben went up to his father's couch, he has been trying his hardest, trying his hardest to be the eldest, the most responsible, and all mm -hmm. of these things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there are consequences to your sin. Yeah. I've seen this with Reuben. I've gone, I've looked at Reuben's story over and over again, and I'm like, my gosh, he tries so hard. 
He tried to save Joseph, didn't work out. Now here he is, and Jacob's like, nope, yeah. I don't trust you. Sometimes we sin, and we can never earn back the trust of others. Yeah. And I think this is a wonderful example. Not a wonderful example, but a horrible, horrifying well, example. I want to go back a ways, but because I want, don't want to miss this, back up to verse uh, uh, 25 where where this all starts to unfold, Okay, where he starts puts the money back in there. And, and, of course, their response is when they find it, what has God done to us? Well, we know it's happening is God's blessing them. We're going to find that out in a bit. In a bit. But, you know, when, when he puts his, the silver back and we've looked at what is, what as a human being, what would Joseph, Joseph may want? I want justice. I want retribution. I want, I want some, you know, I want some clarification here. I want you just to say, I'm sorry. Something. 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 But that's not, that's where we go. I want to read a text to you. This is in Romans chapter 12. All right, I want I want us to go back to Romans chapter twelve, and we're going to read a text, and and I think it's a text that that Joseph could can teach us here. It says, "Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right." I'm in verse seventeen. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, "It is mine to avenge; I will repay," says the Lord. On the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And if you go back over here, is that not what Jesus is? Joseph is the is the, the he's the poster child for that verse. I am you. You're not going to be able to repay evil for evil. You have to repay good evil with good. And that way you'll heat burning coal. You know, and, and when, as they go out and they find this, oh my God, what has God done to us? What has he done? Heat burning coals on them. Now they're really distressed about what they did. They, Joseph knows what they did. They know th that they know what they did. But now they're being found out. In their own minds, they're being found that's out. A, that's a wonderful observation. Why put the silver back in their sack? You know, that doesn't, that doesn't really fit. Like mm -hmm. he doesn't need to do that to get them to break. He's already got Simeon back. Yeah. In fact, putting the silver back in their sack makes it harder. Makes it harder. Yeah. Because if I want them to bring him, now they're going to be really terrified. Now they're going to be scared to come back. They're going to be scared to come back. So, what is he thinking when he's doing it? He's thinking of just blessing them. Yeah, absolutely. And and God, because if, they if, why? If we could have that attitude. Instead of getting all bent out of shape about something, you know, on a on a spur of the moment, just trying to bless those that are, that maybe we don't agree with, or maybe say something that hurt our feelings. What if husbands and wives did that? Oh man! If we just would spend the time to 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 try to bless each other instead of instead of discouraging each other and coming coming unraveled with each other, man, would it be not a better place? Would it, would our families not be more uh, receptive to to godly growth if we did that? Our children. If we would just pay attention to what Joseph does here by blessing these people, showering them with good, giving them, you know, showering them with good instead of evil. They, what do they deserve? They deserve to be punished for what they did. But it's not Joseph's job to do that. They deserve to be punished, Cole, but it's not your job. They, my, people in my, they deserve to be punished for what they've done to me. But it's not my job. That's God's job. And and you know, and we can quibble about all the all the little the little nuances here and there, 
But in the grand scheme of things, if we don't see life from this way, we are never going to be the 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 evangelist and the and the mission minded oriented people that we're supposed to be if we don't see people this way. God wants us to be like Him. Yeah. And this is how God does. This is how God works. Mm. He blesses those who are evil and wicked people. He gives them opportunities to change and opportunities to repent. And when they do, He is faithful. He covers them in grace. He yeah. Covers them in His love. In Romans chapter 5, mm-hmm. verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners. Christ died thank God for that. Thank God for that, man. You know, thank All God. God is asking us to do. I, I, before we run out of time here, I want to, I want to go to one more verse. Look at this, that, this last verse here. You know, it says in verse 38, But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead. All right? He said, I don't trust you, Reuben. I don't trust the rest of you guys. Y'all lost Simeon now. I don't, I don't trust that you got. I'm not sending my, my other son. And then look at what he said. He said, his brother is dead and he is the only one left. Wait a minute. You've got nine sons standing in front of you. You've got nine sons standing in front of you. And your attitude is he is the only one. You see why there's chaos in his family? This, his, his attitude is this is the only son I have left. Wait a minute. This is just Rachel's sons. It's not Leah's sons. You know, I mean, how would you feel if you were one of the nine? And he just said, he is the only one left. Well, what What am I, chop liver here? And not to mention, what are, not only what am I, but what about my own wife and my kids and my Yeah, and my you don't recognize them? No, he do, from what he says, he doesn't. He only recognizes Benjamin and Joseph because they are Rachel's sons. Because he loved Rachel. Do you see a, a common thread here of, you know, of Abraham and Isaac? You know, the, the things that happened with Isaac, with, with Esau and, and Jacob and Esau. Yeah, what happened with, you know, what happened through Isaac? You know, and, and, and I mean, you know, you see this common and here's Jacob doing the same exact thing. Showing favoritism has nine sons that that if he had not shown favoritism before. They wouldn't be in this pickle, because J- Jacob's the one that honored, elevated Joseph above everybody else, and that went to that little boy's head, gave him a coat of many colors and all that. Now he's got Benjamin. Wake up, Jacob! You're fixing to have to get rid of. You're fixing to going to lose, or going to think you're going to lose Benjamin too, because you're going to still be. On. I, I like when we get into next week. What it's going to say. Uh, what it's going to say in the first verse. We'll get there next week when we get there. But they, they don't go back right away. You, you realize that? They don't go back right away. What do you think Simeon's doing? Sure, well, surely they'll be back today. Well, well, maybe they'll be back tomorrow. I don't know. Simeon knows, Simeon knows Jacob. He's probably thinking that. Oh, hey, they ain't never coming back. I'm good. Because they, they wait. You know, food, you, know when they, you know when they come back? When they run out of food. <laughs> Simeon's probably not surprised in the slightest. He's like, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, man. My thing is, what about Simeon's kids and children and family? His own, I mean, all of these guys. Jacob doesn't family. care. Jacob doesn't care. And it's, he only cares about one son, two sons, and that was Joseph and Benjamin. And I'm so thankful. I am so thankful for these flawed examples we have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so thankful because, you know, I, I look at Jacob and, and I don't I don't look at somebody who's horrible. I look at somebody who's me. I look at Abraham and I look at somebody who's me. Yeah. Not not in his successes, but in his failures. Yeah. I see, I easily see myself. I, 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 so, I'm amazed at the grace. And that's, and I think that's the biggest thing, you know, that it's very obvious that in the first century when Christ came that the Pharisees took these examples 
and elevated them and said, oh, look what wonderful, great people. This is why God has chosen us. And that's that's not what God's doing at all. No. God's not, he's chosen you in spite of them. <laughs> he's, cho- he's chosen you in spite of them. He's choosing, he's choosing to give us grace in spite of the things we've done. Not yeah. because God certainly hasn't offered me his blood and his grace because I'm a good person. No. I am far from no. a good person. No. I'm the chief sinner. I am good because he's offered it to me. And I've taken advantage of it. And so if you're out there, yeah. uh, man, it's yeah, you're out there awesome. this evening and you're thinking that what you've done is somehow disqualified, you're not good enough for Christ. You know, my response is, of course you're not. None of us are. No. And we're not here because we are. No. We're here because we weren't good enough. Yeah. You know, Christ didn't die on the cross to save the righteous but sinners. And so he came to seek and save that which was lost. And if you need our help, man, please call. Please. Please call. We would love to, to talk with you more and and just try to help you to navigate through whatever crisis and whatever problems you're going through. We'd love to help you, you know, but we can't help if we don't know who you are and we don't know anything about it. God has gone to great lengths to save you. We want to help you see that. That's absolutely true. this study, you've gotten to see some of the work that God has gone through, some of the yeah. people that God has had to work with to get to that. And we'll try to, and we'll try to get better at this and, uh, and do a, listen to the people who are, who are talking to us on the side and, oh, and, and add this stuff to our, to the thing and hopefully you'll see a different product so let's pray father in heaven thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to study together just the privilege like i said before of of the of the power of the word and being able to open the word and study it there's so many people in our in the world that that do not have access uh to the written to the written word father and we just pray your blessing that uh, we pray a prayer of thanksgiving father that we do have it and we do have access and we can study it and read it and learn from it and let it teach us and let it change us. Thank you, Father, for today and